Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Sorry, but I just put a new SD card in. We should be good, but I'm just going to wait until it actually says I'm recording because I'd rather... This says it's got no SD card either. Just give me two secs there. Sorry about this. I should have... I should have done this while you were watching the thing, but I just didn't think that that would, uh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I had already watched it. I've actually watched it twice and I just felt I needed more to say about it. So I watched it again and took notes. Yeah. What, so with this, you took notes. That's cool. Because I, yeah. I was watching it and I was like struggling to, because so much happened in the past two episodes. And I feel like, and so it should be, it's kind of like it's an aftermath really episode after the you know the main few do you want me to do a recap of the what happened in the episode or do you want to do it um i don't mind at all yeah you could do the recap if you watch it twice mate like i've just read the i've watched it and i've read a few articles on it as well but uh the whole the whole shay thing just get now i've put in three sd cards it says no sd card just give me one second there and i'm gonna i'm just gonna plug it out all together and we'll try The Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and Just Like That, the Sex and the City Reheal, with me, Deborah Francis-White, and my special guest, Alison Spittle. Episode 3, When in Rome. So, Alison Spittle, we're coming Mm. back to Sex and the City in its new formation. What is your history with Sex and the City? So my history with Sex and the City, um, I was I was a, I was a child when it first came out, and um, I was really really uh, scandalised by the name itself, <laughs> and I knew that my mum used to watch it. My mum used to watch it loads uh, for the first few series, and then I got my own television, and I'd go upstairs and watch Sex and the City on my own, not around my mum because I've a weird relationship with sex anyway, and I I was just because I knew it was going to go on this podcast, I was kind of like thinking about my relationship with my mum and television and sex and stuff like that. And we used to, we, we got Sky when we were young for a few months. Uh, and we watched this uh, TV show called Weeds, which is really good. But there's a, one of the first scenes is this woman mourning her husband and uh, she thinks about having sex with him. And I was, I went to my mum, that's disgusting. He's dead. He shouldn't be thinking about her that way. And then she turned around to me and she was like, but he's her husband. Like, why should she not mourn that aspect of their life? And I realized that I was incredibly immature about relationships and had no idea about so much. And I kind of didn't consider that my mum would have an idea about that. 
And I kind of like definitely changed my relationship with her and I respected her loads more. I know it's weird, but it's just strange to it's strange to have a conversation with your mum about sex and sexuality, which doesn't start off with you being very embarrassed and her going, well, when a person and a person falls in love, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And to have like a frank conversation. And then in college, uh, it was still, so I kind of like, was I was a child when it first started and then I was a teenager. So it kind of was definitely the first protocol for sex education. Like that and the Graham Norton show when it was on Channel 4 (gasps) for five days a week. Genuinely, um, and and because uh, I mean I, I <laughs> because I was a big frigid when I was a teenager, sexuality and sex was something that existed on the television, and it was something that I found quite like glamorous, but like could not compute that that would be with me in any way. So I watched it, but it was almost like watching sci-fi, in a way. It was just kind of like enjoying their adventures, and never ever like picturing myself in in that situation in any way at all and I don't like I'm so jealous of the ability to have brunch with four women do you know what you know that type of thing like that was incredibly glamorous to me as a teenager to go and uh to you know to have brunch with your friends and to talk about your issues and stuff and not have this kind of like whispering on the back of a bus or you know I, I never I always saw myself as a Miranda uh, because I was quite a minder of my friends. Like, but I, I never, I never really saw her success and determination as a part of me. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very kind of, uh, I think spiritually I'm a Samantha, but not sexually, if you get me. I do. Because Samantha's the kindest out of them all. She's the most unjudgmental, I think. And they're all great in their aspects, but like I miss... I miss Samantha. I miss, and like whatever's happened with this series, I miss it. Miss her because I feel she was shame be... free and judgment free, wasn't she? Which was a great ah, appeal. It was a joy. It was a joy, and I feel like no matter what you did, there was always a solution or whatever. Like Miranda's amazing with what she offers in regards to uh, help, and you know she's funny and she's a great friend. And Charlotte, Charlotte just feels everything, and I think we're seeing it throughout like this episode that we've seen now and, and how that kind of, it's very nice to have someone that's like emotionally open, but you can be a good friend and not be a good friend in some situations. And that's fine. I, and I suspect that, I we're think, all a good friend, but not a good friend in some situations. Yeah, we can't be. We can't be an all-rounder. Because it's Sex in the City. Like, if there was an all-rounder, there'd be no TV show, you know, with Sex in the City, with all these four women, because... No one has the four great attributes of these women. Like, no one's perfect. And I think that's kind of what I like about this series. It's not perfect, but it, it's trying and it's and it's just going to continue. And uh, I really like being on this journey. It's the first time uh, that I've looked forward to a Sex and the City show that I've, like, um, grown up. Because I rewatched bits. You know, I people have the, the big DVD set and it's a way of bonding with people. And I've I've kind of always taken in Sex and the City so sporadically before. And this is like event television now that I, I'm excited about. And uh yeah, that's how that's how I feel about it. A lot of people felt, including me, uh, mm. that episodes one and two were not in the spirit of the original Sex and the City. And we know the whole point is they've moved on, it's got a different name, but it felt to me like Miranda was a totally different character, like f- stumbling yes. over her 
apologetic wokeness. And I was like, if Miranda was going out to engage with a Muslim ban as a lawyer in 2017, she'd know all this stuff by now. She'd be there. She'd be comfortable yeah. in herself. And I, I found it some of it very, very difficult. But I feel like this episode is a return to form a little bit. I feel like it felt much more like an old school Sex and the City episode. Did you feel that? Did you feel they'd found their stride a bit and stopped apologising so much? Yeah, well, I think like the first two episodes required like a, there was a there was a lot of sh- stuff to show us, and now we're kind of getting into the characterization and and relationships between the women and between everyone. Kind of like uh, there wasn't you know there wasn't that much plot in this. It was more kind of staying with the characters themselves. I mean, the big thing is like the return of Natasha. And I, when I was a kid and I watched Sex and the City, I hated Natasha. Did you? I despised her. Yeah. Because... I mean, it wasn't Natasha's fault, though. No, it totally wasn't. And it's just because I was a teenager and no... You, you know, were on it's Team watching it as an adult with, yeah. with actual life experience now. And I feel like my mum watching it, you know? Yeah. Like, I watched Sex and the City with, uh, you know, a 13-year-old unrequited love type of thing where... I would watch Phantom of the Opera and think, yeah, the Phantom's a good guy. Why doesn't she be with the Phantom? Even though now I look at it now and I'm like, the Phantom's a murderer and he's very weird and he's stalking her. But before I used to look at that like it was romantic. And with Natasha, and and because I was so young... She seemed like a stumbling block to carry. Yeah, and I didn't see her as a young woman because I was younger than her, you know? And now I see, like, you know, you look back at, like, poor Natasha meeting big. I mean... Like, uh, I know we don't have to speak ill. It's not nice to speak ill of the dead, but it was kind of uh, great for this episode. It's like that line at the funeral. You remember that he was a prick, you know, and it's coming back here. He absolutely Um, was. I should probably do a quick recap. Yes, absolutely. So if you have not watched this episode of And Just Like That and you don't want spoilers, pause it, go watch it and come back to us. Uh, So in this episode, Mm. Carrie is dealing with the grief by continuing her podcast, washing her hair, getting up, still looking fabulous in fashion, but she can't eat or sleep and she tends to walk for miles a day and walking mm. is the only thing in ludicrous heels, which she calls her sneakers, lol, <laughs> is the only thing that can uh, make her feel better. And even that's not doing much. Mm. Anyway, she goes to the will reading, Coping very well, planning. She's planned a lunch afterwards, self-care with her closest friends. Absolutely <laughs> on plan to make sure she's not alone after the will reading. And isn't it great Miranda is there? Like, she's such a good lawyer friend. She's, she's always, always there. If there's a contract, Miranda will be in the room, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been throughout the whole, every divorce, every prenup, every, I don't know what kind of lawyer she is, but she knows about every sort of contract. And so she's there <laughs> doing the will reading and he's given X amount to a jazz club in New Orleans and to the public theatre and et cetera. And then the next page, nobody wants to say what it is. And by nobody, for some reason that's never really explained, mm. the lawyer who's reading the will, he's had a fight with his wife. So he's he's had to go off and take a loud fighty uh, phone call. So it's so left to Miranda and big secretary, who prefers to be called a secretary, we learnt in episode two, I think, um, mm. Gloria. Now we're being presented with Gloria as if we always knew Gloria, that she's being presented as this character of, you know, Gloria, big secretary. <laughs> she's been around forever. 
And that's how it's been. We never met Gloria. In, yeah. Gloria's new, but it's being presented as Gloria's been around for, like, hoping we'll forget that there was no Gloria. I'm pretty sure that's how it's being presented to us. So it's Gloria and Miranda, because this lawyer is who we don't know and don't care about, is being mm. called away, breaks the news to Carrie that Big has left a million dollars, one million dollars, uh, to <laughs> Natasha Najinsky, who is, of course, his ex-wife. Um, that marriage broke up because he and Carrie had an affair. This throws Carrie into a spin, and the rest of the episode is about her angsting about why he would have done this and was he in touch with her? Did he love her more? Or did he always mm. think it was a mistake to leave her and marry Carrie, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this anxiety and I think neurosis that we fondly remember Carrie for, I guess, uh, the way that she used to angst. It, it evoked uh, for me... An episode, a very early episode of Sex and the City, which the theme was the circus freak show. And there's a sort of freak in all of us. And um, <laughs> she meets this perfect guy who seems perfect and she decides there must be something wrong with him. And while he goes out to play his a Sunday morning soccer game, she goes through his whole flat looking for things to prove that he's, an inverted commas, a freak. Something's wrong with him. And she jibbies open a box that uh, inside just has his, I think it's his Boy Scout cards or something very, very innocent. And he comes back and sees her doing it. And then she realizes she's the inverted commas circus freak. <laughs> that episode is evoked in this episode because she goes through all of big stuff. And finally, she finds her evidence in a box that looks exactly like that box. Wow. Yes. So they were, they were, they were doing a direct kind of... Uh, I think so. Well, if I see it, I can't help but think that they must see it. Yeah. And so what she finds, and again, it's an innocent thing. It's a photograph of a dog called Gogi. And I think it has the year 1965 written on it. So Big would have been, a, I guess, a teenager at the time, a kid. Yeah. And so it's his childhood dog, but it's in his wallet, which he left inside this wooden box, gentleman's Mm. box that has cufflinks and other things like that in it. She's like he's walking around with that in the with it with this dog called Gogi. He's never mentioned the dog called Gogi and a Pinkberry punch card. Lol. I never <laughs> Which, saw him eat Pinkberry. I never saw him use a punch card. How do I not know this man? If I don't know those things, maybe there's other things I don't know. Like he was secretly seeing Natasha or secretly loved her. Do you think like every company associated now with Big is like Ooh, like because of his heart attack? They're like we didn't cause this heart attack, so it's not Peloton <laughs> and it's not Pinkberry. <laughs> Pinkberry release a statement you cannot have a heart attack because of eating yeah. Pinkberry um, and then uh, she stresses she's trying to hunt down Natasha she wants Natasha to speak with her so she emails her she Instagrams her Natasha blocks her on Instagram so she yes. turns up at her work she knows that she's there but her assistant comes out and says she's in Rome mm. she knows it's a lie and then she sees her through the window. So Natasha knows she's been caught in a lie. But Carrie says, yes, but I was caught in the truth. And it is then that she accidentally, which is a little bit of a dink, walks in on her in a public loo, <sighs> spilling coffee over herself and scolding herself. And that's yeah. the thing that makes Natasha sit and finally talk to her and give her the reassurance that she wanted, which is to say... 
I don't know why he married me when he was in love with you. He was a mystery. I don't know why he gave me that money. I haven't spoken to him since the divorce. And Carrie says, well, I think he was trying to say sorry. He was a finance guy. He wasn't good with words. And that feels resolved. On Miranda's front, she is more and more falling in love with Che, who is the non-binary stand-up comic who Carrie is working with. And... uh, has a moment that is a sort of sort of like a kiss when when Shay blows marijuana smoke into her mouth, touching lips, known in America as a shotgun. And Charlotte's younger daughter says, I don't want to be called a girl anymore, which was hinted at in episodes one and two. And Charlotte deals with that with love. And that's my, and just like that, episode three, a recap. Um, <laughs> so... What were your feelings about this episode? Did this live up to your expectations? Were you disappointed with anything? Um, I kind of want to skip this part. Like, they have to go through this part where Carrie's going to mourn big and it's kind of cool they brought Natasha back. But I kind of want to skip to the part where, like, Carrie's going to get shagged or whatever. Like, I'm just ready for the sex part of the city now. (laughs) <laughs> which I don't know says about me uh, and my kind of, uh, but you know I hope that the whole series is not going to be her morning big. I know it probably will have to be, but I'm kind of over big now at this stage. I cried when Big died, but I really really, uh, want to see kind of Carrie get out there. I thought they were going to jump in time. I thought they were going to mm. say six months later, so that we could understand she'd had a period of mourning. Or even one year later, I I'm quite surprised they've not skipped in time because you're right. We're not tuning in to see someone mourning. Um, no. That's Sex and the City. We're tuning in to see sex and cocktails and outfits. Um, yes, <laughs> but I think they're getting there very quickly because the fact that she's still functionally getting up and doing her job and not just mm-hmm. lying in bed crying, um, they're trying to move her quickly. Now, Sarah Barron pointed out to me last week that there's a flirtation, a very mild flirtation between her and the producer who's a handsome middle-aged man who she keeps looking at through the glass in the podcast. Uh, And this week he agreed with her on something. She said she was triggered by the city bus and he said, I agree with you, Carrie. And he's just this shadowy, handsome figure at the moment. My prediction is next episode those two are going to hook up and she's going to experience what it is to, for the first time, have sex post being widowed. Yeah. And that's why I really do hope they jump in time a little bit because it seems a little implausible that weeks later she's going to jump into bed with somebody else. Yeah, but I don't know if that happened because you got you got the kind of storylines involving Miranda and whatever's going to happen there, I feel like she's going to jump in with both legs quite quickly. Like yes. That feels like the, the train is really on the track there. And to find out that her and Steve haven't had sex in years made me so sad. Yeah, I think that I think that relationship really looks very wound down. They don't seem yeah. to be having any fun. And yeah. uh, he seems very elderly in the way they're presenting him at the moment. And Steve was always very young. He had a very young spirit. He was younger, I think, in years than Miranda. The whole point was he was he was a boy. He was he was young and she was grown up. And he seems to have aged way past her. Yeah, and Steve Steve was my favourite of the men. Like, yeah. Uh, of Sex of the City. I always wanted a Steve. 
I just thought Steve was so emotionally, way more emotionally mature than Miranda and had so much to kind of offer. I know she saw him as a boy uh, because of like his job and stuff like that, but like he just seemed so at peace with himself and who he was, which I think is like actual maturity. He's a little um, too at peace now though, isn't he? He doesn't oh, get off I the know. sofa. And they've made him, they've, they've given him like a hearing problem. Which and might wonder... be disability representation, or it might be that the actor uh, has lost some hearing. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know where it's going, except to say that she's clearly going to need to have an open relationship or leave him for Che. She's going to get railed by Che. She's getting a one-way ticket to a railing. Like, that's what's okay, going to happen Okay, thank there. you. <laughs> <laughs> Che's stand-up, discuss, the podcast on stand-up. <laughs> These things are so hard to get right yes. because stand-up on television never seems like real stand-up and podcasts, we haven't seen too many of those represented yet. But no. how do you feel as a podcaster, and you've been podcasting for years and so have I, mm. how do you feel watching that podcast? I feel I feel very much for Carrie and I don't know why. I think... Maybe I've had a few brushes in the past of doing podcasts and kind of maybe getting uh, feedback to say that I like, you know, that people don't like my attitude towards sex and porn and stuff like that. And and I feel very defensive of Carrie and in a way, and I, I think it's like just triggering me or whatever <laughs> when, when, um, and it's also me thinking about my relationship with podcasting, like, I am quite an open and honest person, I feel. And uh, a lot of my comedy or a lot of what I talk about, I kind of don't really think about in regards to privacy or, you know, what I'm, what I am. Because I forget that podcasts is, you know, a medium where you're representing yourself to people. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I meet some people who have heard me on a podcast and go, oh, how's this person? I'm like, how do you know that in my head? And I'm like, because I talk about it all the time on everything. And it's very, very interesting to watch Carrie, you know, a person who uh, was a columnist and, you know, I don't think anyone will ever really have that job. It's like she, it's like her, she's a cooper or something or someone who makes barrels handmade. Like that's, you know, it's a thing that's dying out really to, to have a print uh, column and that's gone now. And now she's kind of in this new world. And, uh, I feel about podcasting the way I feel about uh, representation of stand-up in TV or in film. It's kind of used as a, an exposition, almost to go like, oh, this character feels this way about this situation. Or they've suddenly had a an epiphany, you know, on stage or whatever. And it's probably going to be used a lot more within the uh, within the show. Um, but wouldn't it be great, Deborah, if they brought out a podcast of that, like just one episode of Shay's podcast? Like have it scripted and have Carrie there and everything. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear it and I'd love to hear them actually do it because I feel it mm. seems like a scripted podcast. Like there's a there's Very a quality so. to a real podcast that you can't script. And so when I'm watching it, I'm quite tense because I'm like, I know all of these lines have been written and rehearsed and that's yeah. that, so it can't have the flavour of a podcast. Could you I imagine felt- if someone came up to you in a lift, Deborah, like after you've done a podcast and told you to step your pussy up? Like oh oh I would. I, well I wouldn't go back I wouldn't go back no. I wouldn't go back um, the Netflix taping which I thought was it was a bold move for them to evoke Netflix on HBO but there you are 
a taping of her special, again, it doesn't seem like stand-up. There's no. very few actual laughs in it. It's a lecture. Which is on... just like a Netflix stand-up special, a lot of them anyway. To be fair, <laughs> lol. Uh, but do you know what I mean? There weren't enough jokes. And it was just no. like almost like preaching to the choir of the choir saying hallelujah. And I was like, this doesn't seem like stand-up to me. And it went on for so long. So yeah, long. it went on for so long. And I was watching Miranda's face and I'm like, which part of this are you inspired by? Because you could hear this on your Calm app or whatever. Like, this is a woman who lives in New York and kind of, you know, is in touch with the modern world. And, like, nothing that Shay was saying on stage is incredibly profound, you know? Not at all. It felt Not to me all. like... She didn't get to, they should have let her write that herself. And I, I feel like they definitely did not. Honestly, it felt like, it felt like they've changed Miranda from a character who's into like being a corporate lawyer and a person who's sure of themselves to a woman who gets inspired by live, laugh, love. Like it's like the first <laughs> time that she's seen that sign. I went, you know what? I'm going to do all of that. You're right. You know? I agree. She used to be such a cynic, Miranda. And that was yeah. such a delightful quality. And I'm happy to see her change and open, but it feels like she arrived in this season a totally different person. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, how did you feel about uh, Charlotte and the way she handled Rose? It was so lovely. Wasn't it? It was so, so great. Uh, it wasn't it lovely that Charlotte reads books to her child as well? I thought yeah. already you've gone above and beyond Charlotte. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lovely story to see f- throughout. Um, I think it's good that they're involving the children. Like, there seems to be a lot of kind of storylines involving, you know, uh, their children, Brady as well. And I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, Charlotte. Charlotte's a good mum. Charlotte's a good person, essentially. I know Charlotte can cry all over you and kind of maybe it's not the right thing at the right time, but the woman has the best intentions. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, 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 I really, really think it's going to play out nicely. I don't, I can't see it playing out bad. She's such a good person. I can't see that much conflict. I can just see her trying to, uh, like it's like Lily and her piano. Like I feel like with Rose, Charlotte's just going to want the best for her child. And it's kind of going to be, I, I think it'll be, I'm hoping, maybe I'm just projecting my hopes, but I hope it's going to be a happy story. I you think know? it is. I, I can't, think it, it is. can't not be. Uh, if I were writing it, I think I would have Miranda, I said this last week that I would have Miranda already there. And Miranda would yeah. just know all this stuff. Yeah. And I would have Miranda help Charlotte through that. Because Charlotte would be like, what does she mean? And it would be a bigger disappointment to Charlotte that she didn't have a girly girl because Charlotte's gender expression is so femme. Yeah, but Lily is quite femme, isn't she? Lily is quite femme. But I think I would give Charlotte more of a journey so that perhaps parents at home who are shocked or disappointed or confused Mm. might be able to go on that journey with Charlotte. 
And I would have Miranda already know it and not be stumbling over herself going, I don't understand. Like, or being amazed by, I think I would let Charlotte get there a little more. Mm. But also there is merit to Charlotte going, yeah, I'm her mum. I love her. I'm down with this. I think there's a lot of merit to that as well. Um, Yeah. I also, if I were writing it, this is my fantasy parallel universe. I love Uh, it. Let's hear it. (laughs) If I were writing it, I would have that a conversation between Natasha and Carrie when it finally happens is is begrudging and short but satisfactory. And I would have ended up with them like there was a door open to it where she says John's a mystery, well, he always was to me anyway when Natasha Mm. says that. There was a door there. And for me as a writer, I would have gone, oh, my God, to me too. He's always a mystery. And I would have had those two women bond in that moment and end up like going for drinks and laughing about, did he do this to you? And did he do that? You know, oh my God. And they would have swapped stories and they would have really bonded because I've always thought Sex in the City was about female friendship more than it was about sex. And I would have allowed that door to go right open and to see these two women both grieving in different ways um, to really talk about Big and let it all out and just given them one amazing afternoon of drunken bonding and then at the end of that say I guess we shouldn't follow on each other on Instagram no okay this is it bye-bye but just let them have go to that full place and I think that would have been a more interesting scene that we haven't seen before it would be great I don't I kind of wanted Natasha to drink the rest of Carrie's coffee just to do what Carrie had done to her do you remember when the last time they probably chatted was when like uh, Natasha was going for lunch and Carrie came over to apologize for, for like, I've rewatched the clips involving Carrie and Natasha. And Carrie was horrible. Can you imagine finding someone in your house live after shagging your boyfriend? And then, you know, you chase after them down on the stairs and run away from you like a coward. And then come up to you <laughs> on their terms in when you're having lunch and they drink your wine. While talking to you. Oh, yes. Can I have a drink of your water, she says, and she she just drinks out of her glass. But I think the most arrogant thing is she wore that Dior dress made of, you you know, that's got the newspaper print. Newspapers, yes. Because it's so ostentatious. And I think if you're going to crash the lunch of a woman whose husband you've shagged and marriage you've ended. Yes. Dress understated. Yes. Carrie Carrie kind of, and this is what I like about Carrie in a way. Carrie doesn't dress like a main character. Carrie dresses like uh, an annoying periphery character where people take the mick out of her. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> where you're just like, oh, her again. Like, and and uh, also she acts, she doesn't act like a main character as well. This is a great episode for showing her insecurities around Big and the way that, you know, she follows her heart and she also does stupid things. Like she just can't help herself. They're not the actions of like a an everyman protagonist. She's not an everyman in how she dresses and how she acts. And kind of like this episode was a really was getting back to it. Because I think with the first two episodes, she's been quite sensible. You know, she's had to be. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah she's I, see, I, friends I, first and, and then with the funeral and everything. We're kind of seeing the old Carrie now. I think that's why the show was so successful, because the lead character wasn't in any way an every woman. Um, yeah. I saw another evocation of an earlier uh, episode. Stanford turns up for lunch. Charlotte says, oh, I've only reserved for three, i.e. please leave. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? I know, Charlotte. <laughs> and Stanford says, well, I've talked about you to my therapist. You, you know, 
he they think he thinks or she thinks that you're very threatened by me. Yes. And there's this strange, you think I'm not in the core group. This has been mm. boiling for years, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, it's just that I got a table for three and I want you to leave. <laughs> this evokes the episode where Charlotte is, at, where they're all at Charlotte's dog show. Her dog, Elizabeth Taylor, is running in a show <laughs> and before running around a ring. And Carrie says, oh, I want you all to meet somebody who'll come to something. Yeah. And Stanford says, oh, great, I'm available. And she goes, oh, sorry, sweetie, this one's just the girls. And I just thought, then don't invite people in front of him. Wait till later. Yeah. Or now he said he's available. It was going to be just the girls, but don't uninvite him when he thinks he's been invited. It was so rude. There were points like that where I was like, what are you doing? That would, You would never do that in real life or that person would be really hurt. And so I felt it was evoking that moment of Stanford's always been this extra person because there was the four girls and, oh, well, Stanford could come sometimes or Stanford could come if one of them was, wasn't free. Yeah, it's always kind of Stanford's always in the situation where the, where the other girls are, can't be there. Like um, when Carrie was single, where they kind of, um, it turns Stanford just smoking cigarettes in a house party and um, there's a busboy and he thinks that the busboy is gay and he goes up and says to Carrie, Carrie, will you like see if he'd like to out with me which for me watching that as a teenager felt very very relatable because that is how we used to court was for <sighs> like uh you know using our friend as messengers and I was like oh they do that in New York too cool <laughs> like that <laughs> felt it felt for me the, the most relatable thing ever and Carrie went up to the bus boy and uh, uh she said I have a friend that quite likes you and the guy looks up and there's two men there's Stanford and then there's this like oh really attractive man is all muscly and stuff and the guy goes yeah yeah I'm gay and it's that guy and she goes no it's the guy in the suit and he's like well no I'm not really interested in him but if the other guy is interested and then she goes up to Stanford and she says he's not gay honey and he's like oh I thought I knew and and it felt like um if it, it feels like for Stanford that he never really has feelings or anything nobody tries to protect his feelings in any way well, she was and trying to protect his feelings by saying he wasn't gay, though. Yeah, but she was kind of given like a wry smile as if, the, like, it, it felt like a, almost like a comedic kind of, like, moment. I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, I'm used to being, like, maybe I'm a Stanford, Deborah. Like, I mean, being the unattractive friend. We <laughs> like, all are. I think at times we all feel like Stanny. Poor Stanford's yeah. about to die soon. In I know. real life. What's going to happen there? I'm so sad. I don't know, but I don't think they can... I think the respectful thing to do is give the character a funeral, but I think they'll think it's too sad to have Big die and then Stanford die. But where where is he going to go? Like, he's not going to leave. What you can... Look, they, they're already stretching it with Samantha. That's two of her core group gone and her husband dead. Genuine. <laughs> like, it's, she's not Job. Like, this, this is, is what happens like... if you bring a show back when people are in their 50s, when you started it when they're in their 30s. This is what happens. <laughs> this is the danger, yeah. I was doing a fundraiser show this week. It's a really big show uh, yeah. called Campus Christmas. Everyone on the bill was LGBTQ+. It was, I believe, the only bill in the world where you could see both Sandy Toxvig and self-esteem. It had taken so much time to organise. Tom Allen and I were co-hosting. Yeah. And... Two days before, I started getting phone calls. And, you know, when you get a phone call and not a text, you know. Ugh. And it would be someone going, I've got COVID. 
I started answering the phone like, don't say it. Do not say it. And I was like, right, I'm changing my ringtone to another one bites the dust. Because every time the phone actually rang, I was like, it's somebody crying off. And uh, we ended up having to pull the show. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry but we'll, about that. We're postponing to March 31st. Campus Christmas will now be Campus Easter. Beautiful. That's my cousin's birthday. I'll tell him that. So what's coming next, do we reckon? I think we are going to see Miranda somehow or other leave Steve for Che. I know. Uh, we are going to see Charlotte and her non-binary child find mm. that new space. We are going to see Carrie hook up with the exciting, sexy producer. Yes. Any other predictions? What else have we got? So Stanford is probably going to die at some point. Oh, I know. Poor Stanford. <laughs> Don't laugh. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> there is a part of me that's quite, like, glib about it. And uh, I, I, I'm sure his funeral will be amazing. Um, what other predictions do we have? Like, um, apart from Charlotte and her relationship with her child, Rose, I wonder what else is coming. Like, our marriage is so happy. It's very hard to revisit... Uh, these characters and and to be so at peace with the endings that they got and we're ignoring the films uh you know that they kind of it, it it's kind of hard to keep watching them to stay interested but also want them to be happy it's so true it's really for this to continue well, stories are about be. things you wouldn't want to have happen to you so stories are not about happy things all the time you know you can have happy moments in stories but ultimately they've got to be about things the, that's what drama is but I did think we had some lovely fashion moments in this one. Um, that high Gucci bag, that sort of like across, it was like across her breasts. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've not seen that before. Mm. Um, and some of the outfits that I saw leaked on Instagram by Paps that didn't look great on Instagram did look great when they were on television. That's oh, yeah. high-waisted gingham skirt. They're going to bring very long skirts back in. I think because they think it works really well on these characters – um, mm. These long flowing skirts, everyone's wearing long flowing skirts. So I predict next year, all fashion is going to be about long flowing skirts. I don't know. I've bought some long flowing skirts out of Marks and Spencer's from, and it is for older women. Like, you know, I have seen people in their 80s wear these skirts. And there was a part of me that I can pull it off. I cannot pull it off. I mean, they got pockets. I good. believe you can pull it off. I believe you can. I believe it's all about confidence. If Carrie can pull off a chambray shirt with a summer dress over the top, then you can pull off a long flowing skirt. <laughs> Carrie can pull off anything. Carrie was like cosplaying as Robin Hood in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie really can pull off anything. Um, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing the next episode. I feel this was a real return to form in terms of Carrie being neurotic and calling her friends and uh, stalking people. It really reminded me of her being paranoid yeah. about Aiden and big in the past. Um, and I, I enjoyed this episode much more than one or two. Um, I don't know if you saw that Chris Noth yes. uh, was Me Too'd and by two women 10 years apart who both mm. independently wrote to The Hollywood Reporter and don't know each other and the story is strikingly similar and uh, very violent and horrible. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a, like, pulled don't look Chris at the head. It's a sexual assault and, like, uh, if you read yeah. it, it's, like, uh, it's very, very high on the scale of sexual assault so yeah you don't be careful to... when reading it that it, yeah. content warning um it's really terrible yeah. um so i can only think that the creators of just like that must be quite pleased they killed him off because otherwise Definitely. they'd have a political situation at the moment i bet peloton are upset that after spending all that money to get him in another advert 
They've pulled the ad. Have they pulled it? Yeah, pulled the ad, yeah. Alison, have you got anything to plug? I got Wheel of Misfortune podcast and the Alison Spittle podcast. I did have gigs, uh, but... (laughs) So at the moment, I still have podcasts. Go listen to the Wheel of Misfortune on BBC Sounds. And I do co-video party, which is a watch-along film club. And this Sunday at 8 o'clock, it's looking like we're probably going to watch Love Actually. There's still a vote out, but it's looking that way, which will be fun. You can tweet along to it. Amazing. What I'm going to plug is that I've cancelled everything. Yeah. Um, Campus Christmas is moved to the 31st of March. If you have bought a ticket, please don't ask for a refund unless you really need one because the money is going to two incredible charities. And on Sunday, I'm not going to be at the Cheese Love store, but I'm going to try and do an Instagram live with uh, Lena Headey instead uh, for Cheese Love. And on Monday, I'm not going to do my stand-up show at the Etc. Theatre because of not wanting to spread COVID. Uh, So please watch out on my socials to see what I am doing. But Alison and I are coming to Dublin on the 14th of March, where we are going to be playing Vicar Street, which is so exciting. And The Guilty Feminist is touring the UK with a series of very exciting live shows. Those things make great Christmas presents. And Uh we are touring Australia and New Zealand. So uh, please come along to Guilty Feminist shows everywhere. Alison will be at some of the UK ones, but she'll definitely be with me at Vicar Street. So get tickets now for all of those events at guiltyfeminist.com. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist Watchers and Just Like That with me, Deborah Francis-White, and my very special guest, Alison Spittle. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the ACAST Creator Network. And Just Like That is on HBO Max in the United States and Sky Comedy in the UK. Join us next time for episode four of Some of My Best Friends. Mm-hmm.